Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Dan Roth. Today, as you're having a seat, get your Bibles out and go with me to Acts chapter number 13. And this is the story of us. We've been in this series for a while talking about the book of Acts. And last weekend we were together. My goodness, Pastor Jim just had a phenomenal word about the value of a healthy church. Anybody get something out of that last weekend? Man, I tell you. So important. If you didn't get a hold of that, you need to go on our sermon archives online and you need to get a hold of the Word of God because it is vital to your growth as a Christian and it's vital to your life here on earth and eternally in heaven because the church is the plan and the will of God. And so he beautifully illustrated that and brought that out from the scriptures and I was so grateful. Uh, I'm also grateful that he kicked us out. Last weekend, uh, Pastor Jess and I were planning on being here on Sunday. We thought maybe we'd take Friday into Saturday and then come home and just kind of be here with the church. And he said, get out of here. And we said, what? what? What do you mean get out of here? You know, I'm the pastor. You can't tell me what to do. He said, yeah, but I'm your dad. Get out. And so we were like, okay, all right, all right, you know. But uh, he shared something with me that touched my heart. And he said, you know, if I had it all to, do, all to do over again, I would spend more time with my kids. And I said, you know what? We've got this moment. We've got this time. And we've got a, an opportunity. So we took that opportunity, went down to San Diego and just hung out on the beach, found some friends that we hadn't seen in a while and connected with them. That was wonderful. I ate inside of a restaurant down there, y'all. Come on, that is the will of God, somebody, right? We, we ate inside a restaurant, and so I'm excited about that. And so we need to pray for our county, and we need to pray for our government leaders, and uh, pray for this nasty, foul, demonic virus to be killed and come die off in the nation and around the world. So let's just keep our prayers going. But my goodness, we had a great time, and we appreciate you guys allowing us that, and appreciate Pastor Jim and Pastor Deborah and the team here that, uh, that leads so well, you know. And, uh, and the Word of God, we got the Word of God. We were able to watch it, and, man, we were just getting lit up with the Word. But there is nothing like being in the building with the people of God, corporately worshiping God together. Something about that that God just anoints. You know what I mean? So while I love you guys online, if you can get here in the house, get here in the house because it's different. I, I just missed one weekend, and Wednesday night came back. I was blubbering on the front row like a big baby <laughs> you know, while we're singing praise and worship and just love the word. And so you need to get into the house of God as often as you can. Story of us, this is Acts chapter 13. We're going to continue our study in verse number 6, and I'm going to read down through verse number 12. Acts chapter 13, remember... Barnabas and Saul were separated for the work that the Lord had called them to, and he sent them out to plant churches, to be apostles. And it says in verse number six, now when they had gone through the island to Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus. Now many people in the Bible have this, uh, this little suffix on the front of their, their name, Bar. What does that mean? That means the son of. So when you see Bar-Jesus, he's calling himself the son of Jesus. It's like blind Bar-Timaeus, the son of Timaeus. Or when Jesus was speaking to Simon and he said, Simon Bar-Jonas. What is he saying? Simon, you're the son of Jonas, right? And so here this guy is saying he's the son of Jesus. Jesus meaning salvation. He's calling himself a son of salvation and yet... He's a false prophet. Verse number seven, who is with the proconsul. Now, what is the proconsul? That's the highest ranking official of the Roman Empire in that area on that island. He would be the deputy that oversaw the things that were going on there. And so it says, who is with the proconsul and it names him Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. How many of you know when the Bible says that somebody is intelligent, that they're intelligent, right? 
It's, it's like when the Bible says that Sarah was beautiful. You know she had to be beautiful to be 90 years old and kings were taking them into her harem thinking that she was Abraham's sister, right? She had to be beautiful. So when it says that Sergius Paulus was an intelligent man, this man was an intelligent man. Look at what it goes on to talk about him. It says that this man, speaking of Sergius Paulus, this intelligent man, this man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. Now right there, that's the reason why I know he was intelligent. Because he knew, I don't have all the answers. You know, if you think you're the smartest guy in the room, chances are you're the dumbest guy in the room. Because no one has all the answers. And this guy was intelligent and realized and recognized there's something that I'm missing and I need to get a hold of it. And therefore, I'm going to ask the messengers of God to come and teach me the way. That is true intelligence. Not letters behind your name. Not a a document on a wall that you earned some sleep. Yeah, I don't want to say the wrong word there. Got a little tongue-tied. That could have been bad, right? Some sheet of paper. There we go. It came out the right way. Could have been really bad. That's why we changed the name of our young adults ministry. Thank you, Jonna. I'm glad you got that one. But intelligence is seeking to find the word of God. And to realize you don't have all the answers, but God has all the answers. Verse number eight, but Elymas the sorcerer, for so his name is translated. This guy Bar-Jesus had another name, Elymas, meaning a wise man. It says that he withstood them seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Verse number nine, then Saul, who is also called Paul. Now, we've known Saul this whole time, right? This is the man who came after the church. This is the man who was a terrorist. He was persecuting the church. And now he's had his encounter with Jesus. He spent probably 14 years in preparation for this moment. And now here he is sent out and Saul, his name changes to Paul. And that's how we know him. This is the author of two-thirds of the New Testament. This is the great apostle whose word was confirmed with miracles and signs and wonders. The signs of an apostle were done. And so Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him, verse 10, and said, Oh, full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? See, I can't even read it without getting incensed. I can't even read it without getting angry. Why? Because how dare you try and stand in the way of somebody giving their heart and life to Jesus? How dare you try and withstand the way of the Lord? Look at what it goes on in verse Number 11 is saying, now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you. Paul is full of the Holy Spirit and he sees what's going on in the Spirit. The hand of the Lord is upon you. And you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him. And he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Don't mess with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you try and withstand God, God will withstand you. The Bible says that When the glory of God, when the presence of God filled the temple, a dark mist came. See, Paul saw that dark mist blinding this man and stopping him from stopping them to bring the gospel. Verse number 12, then the proconsul believed. Isn't that beautiful? When he saw what had been done, being astonished at what? At the teaching of the Lord. Notice The apostle Paul spoke the word of God. He declared what was going on in the spirit, and because of that, The miracle, the sign followed, and the proconsul was astonished at what he saw, but he believed why? Because he heard the teaching of the Lord. See, all of us in our lives need to realize that we are in a war. Every Christian is in a war. The problem is not every Christian is fighting the war. Are you listening? 
And I believe that we need to be taught and understand how to fight and how to win the battles that we face each and every day because there is a spiritual adversary that comes against the church. The devil is attacking. And there is demonic activities and satanic assignments that are coming against the church. And yet I find many people don't ever want to talk about the devil. In fact, there are groups of people who say, oh, don't ever say his name because then he's going to show up. Listen, he's already showed up. He's already fighting you. I heard one man of God say that the greatest deception, the greatest lie that the devil ever made the church believe was that he wasn't real. Why? Because if we don't believe that the devil's real, then we're going to get knocked out and beat up from pillar to post. And then what's going to happen? We're going to sit down, have a good cry, and blame God for it. And God's going, that wasn't me. That was the devil. I gave you everything you needed to fight and win this battle, and yet you're ignoring the spiritual fight and war that you're living in. You're in a war, but you're not fighting the war, and you're going to lose every time if you don't stand up and fight. And so today, the title of today's specific message is Breaking Through Spiritual Opposition. Today, you're going to learn not just how to be in the war, but how to fight and win the battles. We need to break through the spiritual opposition that comes against our lives because it is already here, in case you haven't noticed. And so there's some things that I see in this story, this story of us that we just learned from the Apostle Paul and Barnabas going and preaching the word and finding this opposition that came and how they broke through that spiritual opposition that you and I can learn from. First thing is this, is that whenever you do something for God, there will be resistance. Whenever you step out and believe God and try and do something for God, there will be resistance. The devil is going to come and try and hinder you when you step out in faith and try and believe God and do something for God. Have you ever said, hey, I'm going to start something for God. You know what? I'm going to start Bible reading. You know, this year is going to be my year. I'm going to read through the whole Bible. What happens the very first morning that you get up to read the Bible? What happens? You oversleep. You're late for work. You're running around like a chicken with their head cut off. You're screaming at your kids. Every distraction comes up for why you can't read the Word of God at lunchtime. They make you go back to work early. You thought that you were going to read. Well, then I guess I'll do it before I go to bed. You get home and have a fight with your spouse. And all of a sudden, by the end of the day, you realize that you have never picked up your Bible. Why? Because there was an opposition that said, I don't want you getting in the word. And so the devil brings every distraction around you to hinder you. Maybe you heard that you could have a great marriage according to the things of God. And the moment you said, God, I want to have a great marriage. God, I'm going to love my spouse. God, I'm going to serve my spouse. And what happens? You go to be with your spouse and all of a sudden they become the devil to you, right? Opposition, resistance, fights are breaking out, things are happening. I'm going to raise my kids up in the ways of the Lord. And what happens? A whole bunch of little demons come running around. You go, what happened to my precious little children? But when I tell them to go to church, all of a sudden they start manifesting and rolling on the floor and having a fit, right? Why? Because there will be resistance. You say, you know what, I'm going to build a business or I'm going to start tithing. And financially the bottom falls out. Spiritual resistance, it will happen. When I was traveling doing missions early on in my Christian walk, we went on one tour that went border to border, coast to coast across the United States. We came to uh, Gallup, New Mexico, up in northern New Mexico. There was a place right outside of Gallup, and it was a, a Christian camp called Broken Arrow, meaning peace. 
And it was a place where they would take the indigenous American Indian people and they would bring their teenagers to have camp experiences with them and to teach them about Jesus and to encourage them. A lot of alcoholism, a lot of abuse in uh, the, the Indian reservations in that area. And so they just wanted to show them some love, show them some goodness, and build them up. While we were there, we met a great guy, great believers by the name of Dino. Dino was uh, one of the Zuni Indians. And he took us around, toured us around, showed us the reservation, all that kind of a thing. And uh, just a, a wonderful man of God. And he started sharing about, uh, you know, the different sites. And so we went to some of the holy places of the Zuni people. And he would tell us the stories about what they believed about those places, that sort of a thing. But then he told us the story that he, he himself... This man, Dino, had given his life to Jesus Christ. He heard the message of the gospel, the good news, that he, even though we were dead in sin, that Jesus went to the cross for us, and that anybody who would look to that cross and believe on Jesus for their salvation, that if they would lean the whole of their lives, trusting in God and surrendering all of their heart and all of their life to Jesus Christ, that they could be saved. And he believed that simple gospel message, and he was saved. He surrendered his heart and life to Jesus, and everything changed for him. And he started to tell others about Jesus, but as he started to reach out to his people, to the Zuni Indians, he found that there was resistance. He would show up at home and all of his power lines would be cut to his house. And he'd have to go and get that fixed at his own cost. He'd go out in the morning to get into his truck and his tires would be slashed. Or someone would have busted out one of the windows and popped open the hood and just torn hoses out of it. They even opened up, he had horses on his property, they would open up his gates and make the horses run out and he'd have to go around and try and gather them back up. See, anytime you step out and try and do something for God, there will be spiritual opposition and resistance from the enemy. We're in a war and we have a spiritual enemy. Let's take a look at it in Luke chapter number 8. Jesus is speaking in Luke chapter number 8. He's telling the parable of the sower. He talks about how the sower goes out to sow a seed. And that seed is the word of God. And it says that as that seed is sown, that there are some that fall on the path, the footpath, or the wayside. And he interprets this parable for his disciples in Luke chapter 8. I'm going to read verse number 12 in the voice paraphrase, all right? I like the way that it expresses this spiritual truth that we're bringing out today, that whenever you do something for God, there will be resistance. Luke chapter 8, verse number 12, you can read along in whatever translation you may have, but I'm going to read it to you in the voice paraphrase. It says this in Luke chapter 8, verse 12. It says, some people hear that message or the word of God that's been sown, but the devil opposes the liberation that would come to them by believing. So he swoops in and steals the message from their hard hearts like birds stealing the seeds from the footpath. One version, one verse says, immediately the devil comes. See, the moment that you read a scripture, the devil's going to be right there to tell you that's not true. The moment you hear a message from a pulpit, from a preacher, and he declares something that, my goodness, wow, that's strong. Wow, he's preaching something from the word. Wow, right? The devil's going to say, oh, no, too strong too much. That's not for you. You're just fine. Leave that one alone. See, today, as, as you get out of this place, you're going to have opportunity to be offended. You're going to walk out of those doors and someone without a mask on is going to sneeze next to you and you're going to be like, oh my, can we just please right now? I just finally came back to church and now you're sneezing without a mask on? What happens? Spiritual opposition. The devil's trying to get you offended and trying to get you out. You're going to get into your car. You're going to be merging onto the freeway, and someone with a Rock Church and World Outreach Center bumper sticker is going to cut you off, and you're going to lose your mind. Spiritual opposition. Right? 
The devil's going to come and try and lie to you. That preacher who was spitting all over the place, that's not COVID-friendly either, but he was out of his mind. He doesn't know what he's saying. What's he doing not wearing a suit and tie? Look at this. How can that guy be a man of God? He greeted everybody else, and he just said hi to you. Didn't even smile, right? The devil's going to come. There will be spiritual opposition that comes against you. Whenever you step out, whenever the word comes, there's the devil trying to steal that word away. We need to understand the battle that we're in and how to fight the battle. And we need to know whenever you do something for God, there will be resistance. Second thing is this. Second thing is this. With that resistance, second thing, don't let the devil deceive you. Don't let the devil deceive you. It's your choice. Notice this man, Saul, right? We, we talked about Bar-Jesus and Elymas. We talked about what those names mean. What does Saul mean? Saul meant desired. God wanted this young Pharisee whom he loved to come into the flock, to come and be a part of the family of God. Wanted to give him a purpose and send him out to build the church, to be a light to the Gentiles in the name of Jesus. And so this man who is desired now gets a name change when he gets his assignment and he's sent out. Now he's called Paul. What does Paul mean? Paul means little or small. I believe it would be like if we had a short friend today that we would call Tiny, right? That was probably why they were calling Saul Paul because it rhymed number one, and number two, because he was a little man, most likely. I don't know. It's never said in the Bible. There's no pictures of him or anything like that. We don't know. But they called him Paul, little or small. Could have been just a small Jewish man going about making a big old ruckus for Jesus, right? And so here he is, Paul, small, little. You know, the devil's going to try and lie to you. So you can't do it. You're too small. You're too tiny. You don't have any strength. You're not a big wig preacher like any of these guys you see on the pulpit here. You're not paid by the church. You're no apostle. You're no prophet. You're no pastor, no evangelist, no teacher. My goodness, do you even have a spiritual gift? Do you even know what a spiritual gift is? You're stupid. Uh, you grew up in San Bernardino on the wrong side of the tracks from the wrong family. Your daddy was a drunk. Your granddaddy was a drunk. You're just going to be a drunk. You're going to be a loser for the rest of your life. You don't have the resources. You don't have the education. You don't have the wisdom. My goodness, you don't even look too nice. You're ugly. No one would want to listen to you. No one would want to do anything with you. The devil's going to lie to you, but don't be deceived. He'll tell you things like the system is built against you. Anybody heard that one lately? Can I tell you the truth? It is. Not because of people, but because the devil created the system. He wants to hinder you, and he's going to lie to you and tell you that it, your struggle is against people because of the color of their skin. It's not. It's against the spiritual principalities and powers and wickedness that's coming against you to hinder you and hold you down. He's just using the skin color as a tool to divide the body of Christ and to keep you down. Don't be deceived. Don't let the devil lie to you. You know what else the devil's going to tell you? He's going to tell you, I'm more powerful than you are. Right? Good and evil, they're equal forces. No, they're not. Because God is good. None greater than God. Good always overcomes. See, the light shone in the darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend it. John chapter number one says that that word comprehend also means overcome. The darkness cannot overcome the light. See, doesn't matter how dark it is, the moment you turn on a light, that darkness flees, doesn't it? But when you have a light on in a room, can you spread darkness in that room? No. Get the picture, you guys. Wherever God is, God overcomes. The devil is not equal or stronger than God. 
The devil is a created being with limitations on his life. And the moment you got God on the inside of you in the form of the Holy Spirit, you became more powerful. Why? Because Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go ye therefore. In other words, go in that authority. I am sending you in my stead. You are my body. I'm sending you in my name. You have more power in your tongue than the devil has in his whole being. So what are we doing letting the devil lie to us? Why would we allow him to speak to our lives? Too many people listen to the devil. Because when you are weak, then God becomes strong. No matter what little strength you may think you have, if your name is Paul, little, tiny, doesn't matter when you're filled with a spirit. If a wise guy rises up, you send him packing and send him down in the name of Jesus. Notice what it says in James chapter 1, verse number 16 in the New King James Version. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. You say, Pastor, how do we do that? Because the problem with deception is it's deceiving. I mean, if you're deceived, that means you're believing a lie, and you don't even know you're in deception. So how do we combat that, Pastor? Ah, I'm glad you asked the question. Turn me to 2 Timothy chapter Number three. Second Timothy, turn there with me in your Bible. Chapter number three. Second Timothy, chapter number three. We're going to be in verse number 12 through verse number 17. Second Timothy, chapter three, verse number 12. Anybody getting anything out of this yet? 12 through 17. I'm going to read it to you in the New Living Translation. Look what it says. It says, yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I knew I wasn't going to get a lot of amens on that one. You know, that's one of those promises that you wish you could just rip out of the Bible or take a little white out and let's just get that one out of there, right? You don't have to believe God for that one and confess it over your life and believe you receive and declare it. It's going to happen. Why? Because whenever you do something for God, there will be resistance. If you want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. Verse 13, but evil people... And imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. Notice that this is going to happen, you guys. Don't be surprised when you see them raising up. Don't be surprised when you hear of false prophets. Don't be surprised when people are drawing people away from the things of God. God already spoke this to us beforehand. Why? Because it's going to get darker before the day dawns. When Jesus comes... He will come in the midst of a time that lawlessness will abound. The wicked man, the, the one of lawlessness, will be revealed, and he will show up with the breath of his mouth and take him out. But it has to get darker before the day dawns. Why? Because God prophesied it and spoke it, and so we need not be deceived with them. Verse 14, but you, everybody say me. Oh, come on, everybody say it in the place. Everybody say me. Online, type it in the comment section in caps, all right? Me. But you, look at what it goes on. You must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. Can, can I speak? We've got a, a lot of the youth and some of the young adults and maybe some children in the place today. Some of you guys have a hard time listening to mom and dad. But listen, watch their lives. 
If their lives are lining up with the word of God, then the things that they're teaching you about Jesus, the, the book of Proverbs says to bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. If mama loves Jesus and is a single mama trying to do her best, if daddy loves Jesus and even though he had a rough upbringing, running with the gangs back in the day, and yet if they get a hold of the word of God and they start to try and teach you those things, listen to them, the Bible says. Do what they say because there's a blessing in honoring your father and your mother. You know them. You know them to be true because you know who taught them to you. Same thing with pastors. A lot of people say, I don't have to listen to a pastor. Okay, you can go ahead and kick against the goads. All right, God's trying to speak to you. He gives us, the, the, the people who have these gifts, as gifts to the body. I'm not here to harm you. I'm not here to control you. I don't want to control you. I do, listen, the last thing I need is someone else's life to control. I got my own problems, all right? And so, I'm not here to do that. The Bible says I'm here to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And guys, the Bible says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. In other words, follow me as I'm following Jesus, all right? But guys, if I don't follow Jesus, stop following me. I give you permission. You don't have to follow me into foolishness, into sin, into any of those things. If you see Pastor Dan doing the wrong thing, don't do it. But listen, you know who I am. Because the same guy you see in this pulpit is the same guy I'm at home. You can ask my wife. She will tell you the truth. The whole truth. And nothing but the truth, all right? When I'm not doing what I should, she'll tell you. Yeah, I know. He's messed up in that area, right? But I'm the same guy in the community. I'm the same guy with my friends. I'm the same guy with other pastors. It's, it's just it's me. This is who I am. I'm an insane radical for Jesus Christ. That's all you get. All day, every day. So you know the things that we're saying are true. Why? Because you know those who delivered them to you, whether it's a parent, whether it's your pastor, right, whether it's a, a mentor in the faith, those sorts of things. Look at the verse 15. You've been taught the holy scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. The word of God shows us the way of God. And we can trust in God and get that wisdom for salvation to be born again and trust in Jesus Christ. Verse 16, look at this. All Scripture is inspired by God. Some translations say is God breathed. God spoke this Scripture. This is not the writings of a man. This is the writings of God through man. Yes, he used men as his pens and as his instruments to declare the Word of God. But this is the inspired, the God-breathed Word for our lives. Look at this. And it's useful. Useful for what? To teach us what is true. In other words, there are many lies out there that are coming against our lives. The devil will try and come at you with his lies. But when you get into the scriptures, you find out what is true. And to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. If you're in deception and you don't know it, why? Because you're deceived. When you get into the word of God, it will reveal the lie to you. Why? Because the word of God brings forth light. And that light will shine in the darkness and dispel it from your life. Is anybody listening yet? It's useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Guys, if you're in deception and you're operating in that, it will correct you. It'll show you where you've gotten off and it will show you where to go right. Verse number 17, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. The deception breaker is the word of God. It's the truth that exposes the lie and shows us how to live. And we have to be equipped with the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit, and know how to wield the weapons of our warfare in order to win the battles and break through spiritual opposition. 
Which brings us to the last thing for us today, and that is this, is that we are to resist the devil and move forward with the plan of God. Resist the devil and move forward with the plan of God. Listen, we have to resist the devil. Call him out for what he is. When you're looking at the word of God and you realize that you're believing a lie or deception or the devil comes at you and tries to whisper something in your ear that's a lie, call him out. The devil is a liar. And you speak to him. You declare out loud in the name of Jesus, devil, you be quiet and you flee. Get out of here. See, this man that opposed Paul and Barnabas, he was not the son of Jesus. He wasn't the son of salvation, nor was he a wise man. He was a wise guy. He was a musician, a magician who deceived the people and called himself the son of Jesus. But Paul called him out for what he was, a son of the devil. Paul went on to declare what the Holy Spirit was doing in opposition to the sorcerer's stance against the gospel, and he was blinded supernaturally and rendered uh, ineffective in the things that he was trying to do. See, the result was the salvation of the proconsul. In your life, the results are going to be different. The results are going to vary. Maybe it's the salvation of your family. Maybe it's the salvation of your neighborhood. Maybe it's the salvation of your coworkers. Maybe it's a great marriage. Maybe it's your children growing up and serving the Lord. Maybe it's that you do build a great business and a great financial future and you fund the gospel. Maybe it's something that you've been believing God for for a long time and you felt this resistance and today you got equipped not just to be in the war but to fight the war, to break through that opposition and to receive those things that you see that you've been promised in the word of God. Paul went on to declare what the Holy Spirit was doing and he stopped this man. And for all of us, we need these results in our lives. We need to see these breakthroughs happen. My beautiful wife who's over here on the front row, she is just a fireball for the things of God. She, she spurs me on to be a better Christian every day, and I just so love her. One night she was here working with the girls' night out team, and they were doing a tech rehearsal or something like that and, and uh, finishing up. And afterwards she had some meetings, and so she was getting out of here pretty late. And as she was getting out of here late, she was all by herself. She had her purse on one arm. She had her laptop bag on the other arm. And she was headed out, and she was just thinking about, you know, getting to the car and what she was doing, that sort of a thing. And when she walked out of the back door to our offices, she looked up, and she was face-to-face with a tall man, half-naked and wholly just out of his mind. Guy was tripping on some kind of a drug, probably methamphetamines or something like that. And he was just coming towards her at a slow pace like a zombie just walking towards her. And as he's walking toward her, she's backing up, just thinking, what am I going to do? What's happening? And all of a sudden, the lies of the enemy start to hit her. You're going to be raped right now. You're going to be violated. You're going to get beat up. You're going to be abused right now, and you can't do anything about it. She's reaching into her bag to try and grab her keys to get back in the building because the door closed behind her. She can't reach it, nor can she reach the mace that her husband got her for the situations like this, you know. And so here she is. She's banging on the door, shouting, somebody help me. No one's around. Nothing's going on. And all of a sudden, she had a moment of clarity. And she prayed and she said, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do right now in this situation? And in that moment, while she's being backed up against the door and this man's coming at her, the Holy Spirit says, take your authority. You speak to him and you tell this foul spirit that's possessed this man what to do. And so she said, in the name of Jesus, you stop. And the man went like this. And she said, here's what you're going to do. You're going to turn around. You're going to walk back through that wash that you came through. You're going to go out the gates, and you're never going to return. And the man went. And walked out of our gates. Heard the story of another one of our members who was kidnapped here in our area. 
And as they're being kidnapped, they're thinking, what are they going to do? And so they start to pray. But they didn't just pray. They prayed in tongues. As they're praying in the spirit, praying out loud, her kidnappers started to freak out. What's wrong? What's going on with this lady? I don't know. She's crazy. And they kicked her out and left her on the side of the road and drove off. See, what we fail to understand is that we have more power in our tongue. We have more power in the authority of the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us than the devil or all of the hordes of hell could ever have. The devil is a defeated foe. The Bible says that Jesus stripped him of his armor, stripped him of his weapons, stripped him of the keys, the authority that he had when Adam and Eve handed over the title deed of earth to him. Now he is made a public spectacle of him, declared his victory over him before spiritual bondage, and now he is taking captivity captive and ascended on high and is now seated at the right hand of God, and he's given that authority to the church, the body of Christ on the earth, and we now have that authority to say in the name of Jesus and to stop what the devil is doing. Last scripture for today, James chapter 4, verse number 7, therefore submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I didn't say this in any of the other church services. This is why you come to the second service, because you get the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, y'all. Here's the reason why, because the first part of that says submit to God. If you're not in submission to God, if you're kicking against the will of God, the devil's going to beat the snot out of you every time. Why? Because you're in sin and you've opened yourself up to demonic principles. But when you do the will of God, the way of God, when you get that deception breaker of the word of God and you do God's will for your life, you submit to God, then when the devil shows up with spiritual opposition, you can resist him and he will flee from you. That's how that works. Send the devil packing when he comes knocking. Don't let him stay. Why? Because we're in a battle. But not everybody is fighting the battle. Today, you've heard the word of the Lord. You've been equipped. Know that when you try to do something for God, there's going to be spiritual opposition. Don't be deceived. You resist the devil and move forward with the plan of God for your life. Did anybody get anything out of the word of God today? Come on, give God a great big praise. Hallelujah. I want to encourage you guys to go home today and take some time and pray that prayer that we often pray. God, what are you speaking to me through this word? And sit down and write down what God is speaking to you. Maybe he's going to reveal some areas that you've been deceived. Maybe he's going to show you where the opposition is. Maybe he's going to tell you some areas to submit to him. And allow God to speak to you and then do what God says. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.